This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. We are Take the Black, and I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Annie Bundle, Corey, and Corey Smith. We're missing our panelist, our fellow goddess, Isis. She's out enjoying Adele tonight in Dallas, and that's okay. Let her have her fun. But tonight, we're going to get into a fun topic and that is the topic of theories. Theories we think that might actually happen now because of all the filming leaks and photos and videos that have been taken compared to that ridiculous Reddit leak that we talked about last week. We're going we're gonna to talk about our favorite theories, but before we get into it, Annie, we've got some news about the city of Seville. So why don't you kick it off for us? Okay, well, first thing first, uh, the city of Seville is where Game of Thrones filmed Dorne in Season 5. But don't worry, they're not filming Dorne here in Season 7. In fact, from all of the rumors we have, it's standing in for King's Landing. This is the area where we've heard about the Dragon Pit. This is the area where we've seen catacomb-like areas that look like where dragons could have been stored once upon a time. Um... And basically, it's the next stop on the Spanish tour of filming for Game of Thrones. So they're done in Zumia. They're done filming on the beach. We're done getting all of those great shots from across the water. And now we're in this area of Seville, which is very closed off. Like in Season 5, where things were gated off and we literally couldn't see anything that was being filmed, this is another area where everything is gated off. It's a ruins, so they've actually like put a plywood ceiling over it, so you can't actually see down into it. Um, they have done so much work to basically keep the public from being able to see what's happening. And why? Well, that's because everyone is showing up. <laughs> and I don't just mean like you, you, we saw all those people together in, in 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 on the beaches. We saw like Liam Cunningham. We saw Kit Harrington. We saw uh, Danny. We saw Miss Sandy. We saw Grey Worm. We saw Varys. We saw you know we saw uh, Alfie Allen. We 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 saw so many you know characters all together in one area, right? And we were really excited about that. Uh-huh. Well, every single last one of them all got on the same flight. And went to Seville en masse. And when they arrived, they were met by Nicholas Cal- Calderwaldo. Let's refer to him as NCDubs from now on. Because NCDubs. NCDubs, because I hate mispronouncing his name. <laughs> um, let's see, who else is there? Uh, the guy who plays Urien. Um, let's see, uh, Brienne is there, Gwen Christie. Uh, basically, it would be easier for me to report on the people who are not there, which would basically be Sansa, Arya, and Bran. That's it. Like, <laughs> everyone else is freaking there. And, like, you know, the act- we haven't actually gotten a picture of Lena Headey, but several sources have reported that they've seen her and that she's avoiding the cameras. Um, even, like, actors like Mark Gaddis who played, like, Taicho Notorious for, like, you know, the Iron Bank rapper, the, the Iron Bank dude, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, basically the guy from, from Sherlock, who uh-huh. basically, like, suddenly showed up and was, like, the head of the Iron Bank for a minute, right? Even he is apparently going to be filming scenes, right? Like, everyone is freaking here, okay? Everybody's there. Everybody's there. Even the Mountain. Even Quiburn. <gasps> 
and even Rory McCann. Yeah, so click and bowl people can start getting real excited right about now. Click and bowl, get hype! Air horn blows off. The the hound and the mountain are in the same city to film at the same time. Now, we should put it out there that, as we know, the executive producers do like to fuck with us, shall we say? Um, They had the whole Shea thing they did last year. I would put money if there was anything that we saw, like, people have asked, is that a fake scene that they did to, like, throw us off? No, you know what, if there's anything I've seen where I would think that they were doing it just to fuck with us, it's putting Rory McCann here, because there's no reason for him to be in King's Landing. Everything we know about the group uh, with the red, with, uh, with uh, uh, the red priest and, uh, and... Brotherhood Without Banners. Brotherhood Without Banners, thank you. <laughs> that whole group, like, we know, we think they're going to the wall, right? We assume they're going to run into Melisandre and that they're going to go north, right? It makes no sense for Rory McCann to be in Seville to film in King's Landing unless he decides to leave them and deliberately go south. Let me drop some some Lee Corso on you for all you college football fans. Not so fast! What the heck is that? Look it up. Not so fast. Um, So here's the thing. That stupid Reddit leak we read last week said that Jon Snow leads a ranging party out north of the Wall with the Brotherhood without banners, including the Hound. <coughs> Bullshit. To, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, go fuck yourself. To find a white or a white walker. And when they do, they get trapped on an island, and Danny comes and saves them. In the process, she loses Viserion, who is then risen from the dead as the Night's King Mount. But Jon Snow is left. Benjen comes and saves him, and uh, Jon Snow leaves on Benjen's horse. But Jon Snow then comes back to King's Landing with that white or a white walker. We don't know the exact details. Okay, so what if the Hound comes with him? Uh, that's a possibility. I mean, you know, we can fan fiction this all day. Oh, and yeah. trust me, over at Culturist, we will be. And they've um, had some, By the way, I want to plug Culturist here. You guys had some fantastic uh, Ghost and Drogon fan fiction. So if you guys are looking for some furry slash scaly fan fiction, head over to Culturist. It's quite good. <laughs> Rachel yeah. is really great at those. It's hilarious. Um, but uh, basically... That's basically the big news, is that all of these actors are there. The other big news we have is that we have what we think is the lineup of the four directors who are directing this season, um, which doesn't really, like, seem like a big thing. But the thing is, is when you see the directors on set, like, we saw a fight between Alfie Allen and a bunch of uh, Ironborn uh, over the weekend, and we saw Jeremy Podestwa on site. And we now have the we have at least you know sources are telling us that uh, Podeswa is directing the first and the last episodes of the season, so that probably means that that scene where Alfie is getting beaten up by other Ironborn is either episode one or episode seven. We don't know which. That's pretty cool, and we saw some. You know, we've seen those pictures. We saw, I guess, a video of Alfie Allen fighting, but what we didn't, we saw like blurry pictures and it was kind of like it looked like he kind of was getting his ass kicked a little bit we didn't see all of them but Corey smith you shared some pictures in our chat today we i don't think we even shared them on the site because it wasn't worth it but there were some more clear pictures and more detailed pictures and it looked like alfie allen as theon was actually giving as good as he was getting like he was actually laying somebody out and there were boots on the ground like somebody had been laid out and he was swinging back so I don't think that Theon's getting his ass kicked. I think he's actually standing up for himself, which makes me pretty happy. Well, assuming that the photos that we were looking at were kind of in sequential order, it it looked like Theon was kind of initially getting his ass kicked um, and got kind of bloody in the process. But then towards the end, um, whoever was kind of kicking his ass, we couldn't tell who it was. It it looked sort of like Euron, but... Nope. He had a full beard as opposed to just those redneck uh, sideburns. Um, Listen, so, it, it wasn't Euron. It wasn't Euron because he had no. a bald right, spot. Yeah, yeah. He had a bald no, spot. No, I know it wasn't. I was just saying it, it looked sort of like him initially. but um, So, yeah, and then at the end of those photos, whoever is attacking him is on the ground, and Theon's kind of standing over him uh, triumphantly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of impressed because we hadn't really seen 
fight from Theon. We've seen the flight, you know, we've seen him, you know, take Sansa and flee from Winterfell and then go back home. We haven't seen, you know, kind of the aggressive, you know, fight side of Theon since, I don't know, back in season since two or three. Since he cut off Sir Roderick's head. Right. Uh, I mean, he yeah. he pushed uh, Miranda to the ground, but that was really just kind of a uh, yeah. snap reaction. But, I mean, he cut off Sir Roderick Castle's head, and that was the last time we actually saw any, like, real uh, fighting, fighting Fight. you know, yeah. piss and vinegar out of him. But uh, moving on, uh, so Annie's broken down the actors. We've seen all the major players, basically, except for uh, Macy, Sophie, and, and Isaac in uh, Seville. And this also kind of goes to the fact that, Jon Snow leaves um, uh, Sansa in control of Winterfell, and she also and Macy as Arya shows up to Winterfell, and Bran goes back to Winterfell, and we have a Stark family reunion, just like that stupid leak said that John does. John's not there when Bran and Arya return to Winterfell, which you know kind of makes sense if they wouldn't if they're not in Seville while John's there, they're all back home at Winterfell. So there you go, there you have it. You can put two and two together if you want. Um, I still, I still have a lot of problems with the league. I still don't believe all of it, but I was reading on that wonderful subreddit, the free folk, and I was reading some of the comments and some of those guys were saying, look, yeah, a lot of it doesn't make sense, but if this guy got it secondhand from somebody who claimed to be, uh, there on the set and claimed to have seen the scripts and was giving it to him, uh, it, it, could have got a lot of the details blurred and a lot of the different finer points could have been missed. So when you're talking about like a white or a white walker being brought to King's Landing, that could have been just completely – that could have been one of those finer details that were missed. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of those things could have been could have been looked over as far as the, the details of the leak. Anyway, uh, moving on. What we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about our favorite fan theories that we think now – that we're into the final two seasons could actually happen, uh, things that could come to fruition through the show, and uh, not necessarily the books, because, hey, look, we don't know what's going to happen in the books. George R. R. Martin may never, ever have the winds of winter, and curse me for ever saying that, but it's just the, the cold, hard truth. We don't know if he's ever going to have the, the other books finished. So right now we have to go off show knowledge. We're all showing these right now. So... The fan theories are out there. We've all seen them. We've all read our fair share of them. So I would like to start. And my one of my favorite theories is that Jon Snow is the – Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire is about Jon Snow. It's not about Jon Snow and Daenerys. It's about Jon Snow. He is the song of ice and fire. And here let me explain. He's born of both Stark lineage, which is the ice. And he's born of both of Targaryen lineage, which is fire and blood. Winter is coming, fire is fire and blood. So he is the Song of Ice and Fire. Let me give you a little bit of proof, really quick. Uh, in that, when when Daenerys in season two, I believe, was leading her Dothraki group through the Red Waste, and they made it to Karth. She and she ended up going to the House of the Undying towards the end of that season, and she saw. The visions in the show. This did she didn't see this in the show. This only happened in the books. But this is a prophecy that she, or this is a little bit of a, a vision she saw in the books. And it said she saw her brother Rhaegar looking um, at an infant, and he looks back at his wife, and and it says this is his name is Aegon, and this is his song, the Song of Ice and Fire, and he was. Most people interpret that as. He's talking about John, not his actual son Aegon. That is son, his his son John, and that's why many people think that when Lyanna whispered into Aegon into uh, Ned Stark's ear at the in the uh, Tower of Joy flashback, that they're they're going to name John Aegon Targaryen. So you know you can leave it at that if you want to, give or take, whatever. So uh, we also think I also think that Jon Snow is the prince that was promised. Um, he's going to be the, the prophecy fulfilled. He's already died and come back. He has a Valyrian steel sword that's killed a White Walker. And um, I just think that he is going to be the catalyst for everything that's going to happen in the show. If somebody's going to slay the Night King, it's going to be Jon Snow. And by that time, I don't think he'll be a Snow anymore. He'll either be a full-on Stark or a full-on Targaryen. And 
at the very end of this series, he will be the song of ice and fire. I would love to hear any of your rebuttals to that. Corey, I know well, you, I know you're itching. Well, uh, I mean, I I think you're right. I don't know necessarily some of the evidence. I think because um, I think in the vision you're referring to, I think Elia is the woman that he sees in the vision. Yes, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So, um, and he did have a son named Aegon that was killed by the mountain um, in the sack of King's Landing. The kind of before the series started. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I think you're you're pretty spot on. I mean, I think the the book series being called "The Song of Ice and Fire" is a big you know hint towards it, obviously. And and then like what you said, it's him being the first combination of Stark and Targaryen that we're aware of, um, because I think you know rarely the Targaryens would go outside of the family to to marry. Um, I think they they have some history of marrying in, with the Lannisters, uh, with the Baratheons. Um, but we never saw them, and of course with the Martells down in Dorn, but we never saw them combined with the Starks. And of the two families in Westeros, the Starks and the Targaryens are the only ones that have special powers, if you want to call it. The Starks have the ability to, to warg into animals, mm-hmm. and then the Targaryens have the the foresight they can see into the future they can see visions that's how they escaped the doom of valeria to begin with right right so i i think that the book setup is is showing those two houses are the most important everybody else is kind of a background player and so i think it all points to you being right that john is 100 percent the song of ice and fire and that he's the main character and that danny is this you know Supporting actress, and I don't, uh, I don't want to knock Danny's accomplishments down. I mean, no. she's she's coming over to Westeros, and she is the most powerful, probably in my opinion, the most powerful female in the series. Uh, Agreed. And yeah. she is going to, uh, as our our beloved Isis likes to say, she's going to wreck some dicks next season. But uh, she, uh, here's here's my thing: if George R. R. Martin were to end the series with a Targaryen. Once again, taking over the Seven Kingdoms and ruling from the Iron Throne, all you're doing is reliving the past, right? Right. So yes. that's the most boring, tropish end to a series that claims to be uh, a non-tropish series. Like, why would you go and do that if you claim to be the one that breaks the mold, uh, yeah. you know, or break the breaks the will, blah, blah, blah. So um, I don't know. I just don't I, – I think that Jon Snow – being legitimized somehow through proof of whether there's proof in the Winterfell crypts, whether there's proof in the Citadel, whether uh, him being um, akin to Danny and Drogon uh, likes him and he's able to ride a dragon. Something something proves that he's a Targaryen. Whether that's proof or not, it's going to come out. And he, I'm not saying he's going to be king. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying well, he's going to be king of the, all the seven kingdoms. Well, I'm saying he's on. going. I'm, so, I'm saying he's going to defeat the Night King. And he's going to be the reason that, that they live. Well, it, right. And if he does, if he does survive the battle, which I'm not 100 percent sold on that he does, we have to remember John's claim to the throne would come before Danny's. He's the son of the of uh, the firstborn, so his claim would take precedence precedence over Danny's, even though she's the technically the elder. So um, yeah, but they could throw all that at the window at that and they, point. And they could, right? They they totally could. But his his claim would come before Danny's, um, assuming he survives the battle with the Night's King. Because I'm with you. I think that he's going to serve a special purpose for whatever reason. He's going to be the only one that can defeat the Night's King because he's unique. Danny's a 100% Targaryen. Her mother was a Targaryen. Her father was a Targaryen. John's the first combination of Targaryen and Stark blood that we've seen, and I think that that's going to lead to some sort of unique ability that allows John to defeat the Night King. And I think you're totally right on that. All right. Who else wants? Who wants to go next? Annie, Corey, Thone, Corey Smith. Who, who's who's up to bat? I'll, I'll tell you guys why you're both wrong. Okay. Um, so the person, the person that's going to end up sitting on the throne is going to be no one because there will not be a United Seven Kingdoms when this ends. Because as, as we have 
as, as both Danny has said about breaking the wheel, and she's like, she's going to figure out when she gets over there that the the whole point of the Seven Kingdoms was to unite everyone, and if she can, you know, she's going to go into battle with Jon Snow, and it's like, I don't need to force the North to bend the knee. To me, I don't need to force anyone to bend the knee. I just need to uh, to get everybody to agree that we should all work together to stop the White Walkers, and then you know, we can all help each other out. There's no point in me ruling over you. We can be business partners or mm-hmm. something. And uh, and so the person that's going to end up on the Iron Throne is going to be Ghost. And he's just going <laughs> to sleep there. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was. I love I was, that answer. I was trying to think of a of an equally cheesy ending, but the the problem is, Razor, and you said, oh, you know, I, I can't think of anything more tropey than you know Danny ending up on there. It's like, well, how is John any less? Tropy, the the messianic messianic savior, uh, you know, coming back from the dead to save everybody. Like that's equally. Well, I don't want John to sit the throne. I'm, I'm not talking about John sitting the throne. I, in fact, I don't think John wants the Iron Throne. I that's think not, he would, yeah, that doesn't matter. Like if John lives, then people are going to want John on the throne, and there are going to be people that want Danny on the throne as well. But like. Yeah, if, but, he's, if he's alive. I, mean. I don't know that it's necessarily tropish for John because I mean, you remember he, he it's not like he was born some prince. He's not Rob Stark, he's not Joffrey. He he was born as far as everybody was concerned a, a bastard and he was treated that way his whole life. So I I, I don't know that it necessarily would be tropish for someone to rise from being, you know, a bastard sent off to the Night's Watch and and everything that he did there to King Arthur. Prevent, Okay. <laughs> How is that anyway, Corey Smith? Tell us it what all. it's like. Shit. Tell us what it's like being a bastard trying to rise up in this. You know what? <laughs> I mean, every once in a while, in between singing and not paying attention, you just fucking. I, I want you to realize. I want, you, I want you to realize that the concept of being sent away and then coming back and taking over the kingdom. You subscribe the Lion King. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, and again, yeah, I'm not saying that it necessarily I do see John on there, but I don't know that it necessarily be the worst. Here's my point. Warning is, is, necessarily for him to end up on the throne. And, and I think if we there kind isn't of, even a throne, I, I'm yeah. not sold that there's going to be a throne at the end of the thing. I, I kind of think that Martin's shown that, you know, the and on the show, too, that the pursuit of the throne is what's screwing everything up. So, I can just I can just see some like bearded like not as like basically like Karl Marx looking guy like talking about the proletariat this season like in the background and then by the end of it we've got like a full on like like pro rebellion happening in the King's Landing. Now, if that the, happens, you are so fired. I know. I'm sorry. No, the the well, the reason I brought that up that it's it's equally tropey to have John on the throne is it, and I think we talked about it on here before. This game or this this Game of Thrones show that you guys watch, I don't really watch it. It's gonna <laughs> it's gonna end up with a fairly tropish ending, regardless, because there's only like what was what is the, the thing Andy you did theater where there's six stories. Like, seven, I mean, there's only seven, seven stories in the world. Seven stories. I mean, it's all been told before. Uh-huh. What, what makes what makes stories interesting is. The in between, the ending. If if you hinge on the ending, you can make a great product, but it's not going to be something worth coming back and revisiting. That's why people shit all over, uh, you know, Shyamalan. Now it's like those movies have great endings, but then the whole buildup was the ending. This is about the journey to get to where we're going. Right. So if it ends up with Danny or John or Tyrion or someone like that on the throne that it's like, yeah, but it's just another rich person on the throne. It's like, yeah, well, that's kind of how it works. Like, so let's, let's, let's hang talk. on. We're in, a, we're in a country. We're in a country right now that is about to, that, that has a chance to elect. And, I, and I'm not saying this as a statement. It's second Clinton after, you know, you had Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, and now Clinton maybe. So like, like families that get in power, Kennedy's and Roosevelt's and, Pushes, like they they remain powerful right. long past the first generation so it's like it, it, it's and it's even worse it's worse quote unquote in a place in an oligarchy like like Annie said I mean hell in this one we're still voting supposedly on people so uh, but Alex Jones don't I'm joking but uh, we 
I was going to say, you know, in this, and for people who think that this is somehow new, you know, we had John Adams and then we had John Quincy Adams. Exactly. So this is a thing that's happened in our in our country for 200 years. Teddy, Teddy and Franklin. I mean, it's, right? You know, yeah, you would have definitely had John and Bobby as well. So yeah, if he hadn't been shot, you're absolutely right. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, it happens. So uh, the the idea that it's quote-unquote tropey, and I think that that actually is the best conspiracy theory by the Razor, and that's why I think yours is the best, is saying this is going to end with a lot of people we like dying, but when it's all said and done, it'll be a more or less somewhat happy ending with someone we like on the throne and the White Walker's gone. And then you're going to have people go, I don't know, man, Game of Thrones kills a lot of people off, but it's like, yeah, well, Game of Thrones had a cast of 60 at one point. You really can't do that anymore. So, I'm so done. basically, can we just can we just all agree to throw out the trope argument now at this point? Because really, yes. let's just like it's basically it is trope. It, you're right. I mean, if you want to tell an original story, go back to Tolkien and let him tell the original story, right? So let's let let's throw that out. Let's throw the trope argument out. So whether Jon Snow saves humanity or whether the Night King wipes out all of the living and there's pockets of humanity and resistance living under the the crypts of their castles, just waiting for the uh, White Walkers to go back into hiding. Um, like just like one of George R. R. Martin's science fiction books, I forget the name of those, those science fiction books he wrote, but he had that happen. Um, you know, like a, the world was decimated, nuclear bombs or whatever, and then pockets of humanity rose up from that, and there was mutations and blah blah blah. I could this could happen in in Game of Thrones, whatever. Let's let's talk about that. But I've talked enough about my theory. I'm interested in hearing Corey Smith. What's your theory? Well, mine isn't nearly as grand uh, as yours. Shocking, mine's shocking. <laughs> well, I mean, raising. I mean, you kind of went, you know, picking the low fruit there. Uh, but um, you, did. you know what, bastard, you're right. That's. I mean, you, come on. You've earned yourself an extra large glass of mead tonight. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I actually spent some thought, and you know, anyways, um, mine is kind of. Uh, it takes a little bit from the books, but mostly it's show. There's a lot of show evidence. Um, and, you know, we kind of saw it in season six. You know, people were saying, you know, what if Bran had warged into the Mad King? And that's what turned him crazy because he was shouting, burn them all, and da, da, da. And I'm not talking about that. I, there's always been this theory out there that, that Bran warged into Jamie Lannister um, at the start of the series when Bran finds Jamie and Cersei up in the in the tower in Winterfell. And the theory goes that Bran warged into Jamie at that moment and tossed himself out the window, um, thereby forcing Bran to head north um, and seek the Three-Eyed Raven and kind of completing the time paradox loop because had Bran... Rem- continued to have the use of his legs, he probably would have not gone on that journey. He would have tried to become a knight or, you know, any other option. But when he lost his legs, he really didn't have any other option than to kind of go there if he wanted to do something of any kind of importance. So, I mean, that's kind of my theory. I think, I think that we can see that possibly happening with, you know, how everybody was inferring that he walked into the Mad King. And the, for me, the reason that I want it to be true is, you know, we've seen Jamie kind of morph from this, you know, arrogant asshole from the first two, couple seasons into someone that kind of, you know, after Brienne's influence, kind of has a little bit of a sense of morality now. But at the end of the day, from the moment we saw him, he tossed an eight-year-old kid out of a freaking window trying to kill him. So... For me, you know, it, you've kind of started to like Jamie over the past couple seasons, and if Jamie is kind of removed from that, you know, if his, he's no longer responsible for throwing Bran out the window, if that actually is Bran's fault, um, then that kind of absolves Jamie and makes him someone you can really kind of like. So that was my my big theory. So I've kind of I've read this theory before, and I kind of like it. I like the fact that. Um, Bran has had, and it's this whole time traveling mindfuck thing that Bran has had a major influence throughout the entire time loop of 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 Game of Thrones of of A Song of Ice and Fire, going back to the beginning and all the way through to the end. Uh, 
So like Brandon the builder is actually Bran, you know, he he built the wall. So Bran influenced Bran the builder to to build the wall and then he influenced uh the the Stark to build Winterfell and you know he Whatever have you? He's influenced all those guys to do whatever they had to do. Oh, I know, bitch. I know, Thone. I'm, I know you're itching to get in on this. So why do you have a problem with this? Because of timelines, man. Because, <laughs> because it's seriously. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you. I'm gonna tell you guys that we, because we haven't seen how they're gonna end this brand's power in the past thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say because right now they honestly they have not screwed it up necessarily. Although with what happened to Hodor, it's it's opening up this Back to the Future type like influence loop that is really hard to close that Back to the Future did not close properly and that no one has because it's impossible. Can I, can, can I run you through real quick mm-hmm. the problem with Back to the Future? Mm-hmm. Not that I don't love all three movies. Don't fucking uh, ruin my childhood, though. Hang on. And by the way – Quiet, Smith. The man, one, the man is talking. Two. One three two is my favorite. There you go. I know that sounds weird to some people, but I like three more than two. All right, so uh, let's let's just let's we'll start with uh, at the end of Back to the Future two, Doc and uh, at the end of Back to Doc gets the time machine, gets struck by lightning and sent back to eighteen eighty five. So he hides the DeLorean for Marty in a cave for Marty to find while he's stuck in nineteen fifty five. So he gets that telegram right when Doc is taken away, right, Mm -hmm. if you remember. So Marty finds the 1950s Doc uh, before 1955, but after 1885, whenever the DeLorean was hid there. And they uncover the DeLorean in the cave and fix it up, and it had, you know, lots of rot and stuff to it. And then Marty takes that one back to 1885. So here's the thing. The one that Doc hid in that cave is still in 1885, as well as the one that Marty drives into 1885 so the entire movie didn't have to happen marty could have went and got the other delorean and then just gone back to the future (laughs) okay yeah and there's there's more problems as well there's also the dual marty theory which is another interesting one saying that in order to close the loop to make it to where there are no more marty's coming like like every night you know there's not a marty standing outside of a a lone pine mall and a and a Double Pine Mall and whatever it was called and and you know, watching each other zip in DeLoreans back and forth is it whenever uh after Doc puts on the bulletproof vest, he, he figures out how to close the loop by rigging the DeLorean with explosives so Marty doesn't go back in time a second time. He has just blown up and killed and now new Marty is back in nineteen eighty five and there's no Marty gonna come behind him, right? Okay. So he had Close that loop or there'd be infinite Martys or infinite Mortys if you're a Rick and Morty fan, right? <laughs> so, it's really complicated. That that was a comedy movie from the 80s with a freaking Huey Lewis and a News soundtrack, and it's that complicated. So if Game of Thrones is going to start playing around with some timelines and, and alternate dimension shit, they better have their ducks in a row because, because this is basically – I don't. It's going to get really complicated if you start saying that. If you start saying that that uh, Bran was Bran the Builder and that Bran did this and Bran did that, he forced all these events to happen, including like you said, him getting knocked out the window and falling all the way to the ground, and then setting off that timeline of events and everything. Uh, you know, you know. Okay. You're, it's just really complicated, right? Okay, but but in in my defense, I wasn't. I mean, the, everything that Razor was talking about, all the other things that he could potentially have done, I, sure. I don't necessarily wasn't buying into that. Okay. I, I'm just specifically talking about the moment when Jamie pushes Bran out the window. Um, and the the flip side of that is it, it could have just easily been the old three-eyed raven, the one before Bran. So, yeah, it could have been. And that would be an easier way to explain things and keep it kind of a little bit cleaner of a narrative. Maybe. If, or it's simply, or you could just simply say Jamie was an asshole and pushed a kid out of window. Well, right, yeah, and it could just stay that way. But um, you know, but that's a theory that I would like, like I said, would like to see come true because then it does absolve Jamie of what is essentially his worst sin in Game of Thrones is throwing that 
freaking you know throwing an eight year old out of out a window in the very first episode. Wait, so, and wait. that's actually why I think that's a terrible idea because part of the reason why Jamie is such a complicated character is the fact that he freaking did that and we can't get around it. He's a very complex yeah. character. Yes. Also, he also he pseudo raped his sister next to his dead son. On the show. Yeah, only. yeah. They're, 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 he's done a lot of really bad things. There's no absolving him, and trying to absolve him is basically a fool's errand. And and the thing is. I will say you do get an interesting concept with Bran being the person who had to shove himself out the window because not only does it take away his the use of his legs, it also sends – it starts the events of the show. Yeah, right. I mean it's, it's yeah. Bran getting paralyzed, and that creates a rift between – an even bigger rift between the Lannisters and the Starks because there's this mistrust and – uh, you know, I mean, it just it sets off everything. It really does. It's like a huge catalyst in the show, and it ends. I mean, it, you know, it ends with Hodor at the door, and it ends, you know, with everything we've seen so far. All these dead people, and not just you know rich people, but soldiers and stuff dead. Right. You know, so I don't know. I think it's interesting. It's interesting to think that they're going to play more into that because they've hinted to it twice with him. Yeah, in, his, uh, in yeah. his flashbacks, he saw himself fall out the window uh, a couple of times when they did the kind of long montage. Yeah. And of the burn the mall thing. Yeah. Right. So, Which I was actually saying they hinted to him being able to influence the past in some way when he right. yelled at his dad and then also about, with Hodor. We, we could see right. that Bran messed up. He messed Hodor up. So Right. And it wouldn't have taken a, a lot for Bran to kind of just – I mean he would have only had to walk into Jamie for, you know – Split second, second or, yeah. yeah, split second or two, and just kind of push, and then, um, you know, go from there. So we'll see. Cool. All right, uh, Annie, you're up. What's your theory? Um, I want John and Danny to fall in love. Okay, like that's my no. That I don't care if it's the girly romantic thing. That's what I freaking want. That's fine. I, I really love in a hopeless place. Like, okay, seriously, like, and it's one of those things where, like, I read it somewhere like a while ago, and it totally hit me, and I thought it was the greatest idea ever. You know, John so far has been madly in love with women who are kissed by fire. What happens when he finds one who is made of it? Oh, okay. Oh, he and, gets his dick burned. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, in a way, they kind of hinted at that because, uh, you know, they kind of hinted at that with the show because they tied Dario talk about, you know, how, like, that that she was the wildest ride he's ever had. Um, So, yeah, I, I, that's the, you know, I know you, Razor, you're basically saying you want this to be Jon Snow's story. No, I don't want this to be Jon Snow's story. I want this to be Jon and Danny's story. And I want at the end for there to be basically a dream of spring is somehow a next generation is born. And it might not be born of Danny and John because Danny isn't able to have kids anymore. It might be born of Sansa. It might be born of, I don't know. I, I mean, I really, I just, I don't even know. Um, because considering who is alive at this point, um, you know, like, I, I have I that's why I asked if uh, once if the dragons were all boys because I wondered if like you know a dream of spring and the the ne- the next generation was a baby dragon, um so you know I just I I have the, the dire wolf with wings. <laughs> we didn't quite go there, but um you know I I that's basically my theory is that when I want. This to be when John met Danny. Uh, so let me ask. Let me ask Corey Smith because he's more of a, a Game of Thrones theologian than I am. Uh, it, in the um, when Mary Mazdor told Danny that she couldn't have kids again, what were the restrictions on it? When the, what? It's well, it's, yeah, it's basically a flip of everything that that kind of makes sense. So when the sun rises in the east. I mean, rises in the west and sets in the east, and then uh, something about the when the mountains fall, um, and just a okay. So check of, this out. So check this out. You're basically sorry. Is that a is that one of the new modern like like Christian hymns that you would hear at like a cool, <laughs> like a cool coffee shop called like Crossroads or something? Basically, yeah. Hey, when the man. mountains fall and the yeah. sun is in the west, and so- <laughs> oh my right, God! So now go we- to the chorus. Um, 
So yeah, Jesus. It's just all you say over and over again. I, I, I like that you brought up Crossroads because you know there's like a ton of cross churches around here in Fayetteville. Thanks for saying that. Anyway, <laughs> um, so like the, the the whole idea of Danny not being able to have kids again, and and the fact that you just said the sun rising, uh, rising and setting, and the switching places. He's goes dry. And the mountains blowing the wind. What if? What if this? What if? What if the wall falls and that's the mountains falling, right? And what if it causes some kind of cataclysmic uh, shift in the whatever in the Polaris or whatever Westeros, and we have, <laughs> and we have a, a rotation. I don't know. Okay. I, I I think I mean you're you're laughing, but I I think there's something <laughs> there. This is cataclysmic shift in the Polaris. No, are you hacking because, in an NCIS episode? What the hell are you talking about? Okay, let's just listen but here, I mean, Mark Harmon. When Annie was talking about how it might not be Danny that has the kids, I I tend to think that it might be Danny that does have the kids, and I think especially in the books, I always got the undercurrent of a theme that that the whole world was out of whack. You know, because right. you got these you've got these winters that last decades. Um, you've got summers that last, you know, five, six years. So the seasons, you know, literally the planet is out of whack. Mm-hmm. So to me, and, and you've got the the White Walkers that continually have been coming back. They, you know, they were a threat, you know, 5,000 years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And now they've, they, they're coming back again. So to me, there's always been this theme that, that the world is literally out of whack. Not just who's sitting on the Iron Throne. It's literally the world is is out of place. And so... I could see there being something that in this final battle that we have with the White Walkers, it somehow fulfills the prophecy that Miri Mazdor, you know, kind of cursed Danny with before Danny lit her on fire. Um, you know, so I, I don't think it's out of out of the realm of possibility that Danny ends up being able to have kids once again. Okay. Um I like any any I, I I like your theory. Um, I kind of I obviously uh, the romantic side of me really wants to see Danny and John together in the end. I want to see. Here's kind of even though I think John is going to be in my mind, John's going to be the catalyst for everything, killing off either either killing off the Night King or beating him. All the way back to the. Oh, you're gonna say awesome. Yeah, I know, I know. I I had to stop myself for a second. Beating him all the way back to the to the lands of Always Winter and making him go back to sleep and never come back out of the ice again. Whatever happens, um, and there's only a few uh, pockets of of human of human beings left. Uh, John and Danny are the way that human beings uh, repopulate Westeros again. I, I like, I like the idea of that. Uh, and then the seven kingdoms repopulates and maybe magic comes back in the world. Maybe the children of the forest come back, maybe whatever we see all that come back. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a great and beautiful and romantic idea. Uh, Corey Thone, what is your theory? Actually, it was kind of similar to what, uh, uh Annie was saying. And that's John and Danny are going to have a baby. Okay. <laughs> that was what I wrote down was like John and Danny have a baby and John and Danny uh no longer they, they don't get to raise it though. Like like they're dead. Um that Tyrion raises the baby. Oh. And raise, and, and I like raise, that. It's just something it, there's no I have no foundation for this. I have no basis of it, but I look around John and Danny and I see people that know more than them <laughs> i see i mean honestly john and danny are pretty and they're skilled but uh if you were to ask me who on these small councils should be king well, it's davos or Tyrion. uh you know maybe maybe you could say uh varies or jorah uh you know those 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 folks have a lot more wisdom and a lot more at least in for a shonly i don't know the history of all these folks so I know that Varys is supposed to have a weird thing, but in the show, he's just like a—I don't know—it looks kind of, kind of looks like Rosie O'Donnell in a bald head and it walks around. <laughs> and, but uh, it's, like, and I think that what ends up happening is uh, uh, John and Danny have a baby, and uh, or you know what, maybe they John, Danny gets pregnant by John. John dies defeating the Night's King or something. Danny dies in childbirth because she's not supposed to be pregnant, like like Annie was saying, and it's it's a major thing. But the baby Ooh, lives. I and, like that because all three of the main characters of the show, Danny, Tyrion, and John, all 
their mothers all died in childbirth. Right. Oh wow! See, I didn't even make that connection. Yeah, so there you go. So and then basically, so now you have like um, Cersei to raise a kid. No, I'm joking. Um, you have you know the small council. Basically, you have uh, people that can't that were slaves, people that were highborn, and everything in between uh, that are that are all around this child. That's like okay, so. And they all want the best for the kingdom, and that's really the difference between them and everyone else is that they're not going to try – like Littlefinger would try to manipulate like he is with that creepy-ass kid that he's living with now, uh, try to use some child with inherited power for gain. But none of those people I think would do that. Maybe varies with a little bit, but not a, not a lot. Uh, and I think that – I don't know. I think that like – that could be the great unifier for everyone is the child of the two saviors of Westeros. And, you know, they they have this person grow up as king with this awesome council and all these people under a unified kingdom that uh, supported their, its parents. And that's kind of where it ends is with like a child king and who, you know, isn't going to know the sadness that came before and only is going to have the optimism going forward. I so. love that. It's bittersweet yeah. too. Nope. It is because everybody that we like would die <laughs> except for Tyrion and, and oh, and you know what? And then Tormund is the hand of the king because hell yeah. That's kind of what I wrote down. Yeah, I love it, man. Great, great job. So before we wrap this podcast up, let's talk about uh, I don't know, maybe probably the biggest fan theory out there. Um, I don't know what it's probably. Probably the the most exciting thing that we've gotten, and Annie talked about it when we first started, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on it. Are we getting Clegane Bowl? Yes. No. no. I I don't know. I'm buying, what? I'm buying it. I'm I'm investing all. I don't give a shit if it's a housing bubble. I'm buying. <laughs> buy, buy, buy. Buy Clegane. Uh, Corey Thone is buying Clegane Bowl, and I'm on board. <laughs> oh, let's God. do it man what is this Fox News make it stop yeah, <laughs> sounds like the episode of the Kramer show um, yeah that's what I was, I was thinking of yeah so I, I don't know I mean I, I gotta be honest like when Annie this morning when the news broke and Annie sent us all a message in, in Slack I, I literally almost pulled over my car to read <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, Clegane Bowl. I was like, let me pull over. I got to read this. But luckily, I hit a red light. It took me forever, and I got to read it at the light. But I was like, because to me, that's a super exciting topic for it to happen. But as the day has gone on, I I, I am leaning more towards the producers are, are fucking with us. They like to do it once per season. And putting Rory McCain or McCain, McCann. McCann. Uh, in Seville, where we know everybody is there, kind of would is a, is a bit of a red herring, like they've done to us in the past, like with Shay and the the White Walker that they had in the window of King's Landing. Um, it, it just, I don't know, something doesn't quite feel right about it yet. But I hope I'm wrong. Annie. Oh, I, I as I said when I uh, gave the report. Um, I think this is them screwing with us. I really do. I think that there's no reason for McCann to be there. I really think this is the producers pulling a fast one because they know how much we've all been saying Clegane Bowl for how many seasons now? Forever. That's a great point. And it's like the easiest, it's the easiest thing. Just have Rory come in, have some drinks and hang out with a cool dude and send him on his way. And everybody's like, oh, Clegane Bowl. Because here's the other thing. Where are the other people that we last saw him with? Where's uh, um, exactly? They're not it, with him. They all died, and they all died trying to get the White Walker in the north. Right. <laughs> it's possible. I'm just saying, it, it just doesn't feel right. Listen, let me like, let me let me tell you. They Thoros is supposed to die in that attack. So Thoros of Mir is gone. We don't know about Beric. We don't know what happens to Beric. And if the Brotherhood Without Banners uh, loses Thoros. Barrett could be like, "Fuck it, I'm out." So yeah. So the rest of the Brotherhood could be could scatter, and the Hound could help John 
wrangle this white or white walker back to King's Landing. So that's the only explanation I have for it. Now, again, you guys, like Annie and Corey Smith, you guys could be 100% dead on. This could be uh, Benioff and Weiss just playing one big game of mind chess with us. With and us. I want to be wrong. I, I, be, I, 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 yeah. so painful. I want it to happen. I want to see it. So I, <laughs> so I hope I'm wrong. My a dream a dream thing for me here here's my dream scene right here is we have Danny and John Davos and like her and all that all those that retinue her all of her little posse walking up to the dragon pit right and then we have Cersei Jamie Kyburn and the Mountain walking up right and then we've got Euron and a few of his Ironborn maybe he's bringing um. Uh, a captured Yara with her, with, with him in chains, right? And, and so they're all walking up to the dragon pit and they just all kind of walk up and they stand and they're staring off at each other. And then all of a sudden John looks behind him and he nods and here comes the fucking hound dragging this, you know, un, unruly devil, white devil looking zombie and he brings him into the middle and there the two brothers stare at each other, and there you have the face-off. Now, whether they draw swords on each other right there, or whether they decide to take it somewhere else and finish the deed, I don't know if it's even going to happen. But that would be a dream sequence for me to have. Let me tell you, let me tell you my dream sequence with Colleen Bowl, okay. because this is what I want. I don't want it to be a fair fight. I don't even want the mountain to know what happened. I want his head cut clean off as he's about to do something evil. And and whenever his gigantic lifeless body tumbles to the ground, it's the hound standing there and he like just walks away. And it's like, yeah, I don't I don't need the big fight between a cripple and a zombie. Like I just want I just want the hound to get, you know, his vengeance on his shithead brother. So what if he says something cool like, uh, that was my fucking toy and just walks away. Yeah, playtime's over. <laughs> playtime's <laughs> over. <laughs> this fucking child's play. <laughs> All right, guys. So we're going to wrap it up here for myself, for Corey Smith, Randy Bundle, and Corey Thone. We miss you, Isis. We hope you come back next week. Uh, thanks, guys, for listening. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about next week, leave it in the comments section or on Twitter, and we will respond to you, and uh, we'll talk about it next week. Um, hopefully, we'll get some more filming news. Maybe we'll get some uh, Clay Game Bowl news. We don't know. So, hey, thanks for listening once again. Valar Magulis. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.